This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Are dating apps just a little bit on the nose at the moment? Is the risk of being scammed just too high and will we see a resurgence in the art of matchmaking? The fact is more than $38 million was lost to dating and romance scams across our country last year. And that only accounts for the losses that are reported to the ACCC. So the true figure is likely to be much higher. And when we say romance scams, that can be anything. It can involve months of conversation and building trust. Or sometimes it can just be a quick scan of your dating profile for scammers to get all of the personal information that they need. So when you pile all of that together, it's easy to see why maybe old school matchmaking is making a comeback. Good morning. My name's Rochelle Hunt, your co-host this morning, Daniel Miles, joining you from ABC Warrnambool. Dan, have you ever a personal question, but I'm going to ask mm-hmm. it. Have All you right. ever used a dating app? Irish. I have to admit, I was partnered up before dating apps were even a thing. Same. So I guess there's a level of irony in the fact that, you know, two people who have no idea how to use these apps and actually had to Google which way swiping <laughs> meant what is talking about dating. But you know what, just because we're not on the apps doesn't mean that others aren't. And interestingly, dating apps and websites still remain in Australia the main way that people actually start looking for love. Nearly half of all Australians between 18 and 49 mm. use at least one of these services and the majority of those people think that that's where they're going to find a long-term partner. So we may be novices when it comes to swiping, but it's still the go-to place for the majority of Australians. And with that comes a level of scrutiny, I think, because we're seeing increasing reports of people saying, hey, you know what, I am using these apps, but it doesn't feel safe. And that's where we've got to the point where the federal government's come in and actually put a lot of these dating websites and apps on notice and has said to them, if you don't pull up your bootstraps and make this a safe place for all people, we're going to start regulating you. We're going to legislate you. Well, I just wonder whether the horse has already bolted. When we say a safe place, what are we talking about here? There's a physical fear. A lot of people may be thinking that I don't want to put myself into any form of physical harm. Then there's also the fear of being financially scammed as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a real shift from people just using a lot of apps generally, you know, even if it's market swap places because of the fears around being scammed and giving away your personal information. So I wonder whether slowly but surely we'll start to go back to old school matchmaking. And, you know, what does that even look like? Is it friends mm. saying, hey, I think I've got someone that would, you know, you would really get along with? Is it speed dating? Is it having singles parties? Is it going back to the old put a little ad in the local newspaper? I don't know. How do you date and how do you meet someone if it's not online. Yeah, it's so interesting. It, it almost harks back to the days of, you know, people putting out those VHS ads of themselves dating with the mottled blue background saying, hi, I'm Dave, I'm 33, I love walks on the beach and reading romance novels. But in a world where everything is at our fingertips now, if you want something, there's an app for it. The lost art of sorting suitors, as it is, is almost making a bit of a comeback. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it might be because of that. It might be because of safety. It might be because we're just changing the way we do things. Perhaps we've been digitally saturated to the point now where looking for love almost feels a little bit impersonal when it's on a little screen. So from feeling safe physically to feeling safe financially, are you turning away from dating apps? How did you meet your partner? Are you thinking twice about apps and maybe moving back to the lost art of matchmaking? Yes, I like me. This is the Conversation Hour. One of the best songs ever, absolutely. Good morning, (laughs) Rochelle Hunt and Daniel Miles with you this morning. As we talk about whether or not there's a shift away from dating apps as people feel slightly concerned about them, safety is a huge issue both physically and financially and what role the government plays in ensuring that they are safer a text here that says surely you two could have found someone that knows how to use dating apps and knows more about this well 
<laughs> yes, we did, Daniel mm-hmm. Miles. And she joins you in the studio this morning as well. Nat Tenchich, uh, apologies, is an ABC <laughs> journo. You would know her from Life Matters, specialising for years on air in sex and relationships. Nat, are we shifting away from apps or is this just anecdotal? I, I mean, I feel like people have been sick of the apps for years and years. I was hosting The Hookup a couple of years ago on Triple J and even then uh, people aged 18 to 24 were getting pretty over having to treat their dating life like a marketplace, you know, just like being on Gumtree or something, just yeah. shopping for the love of your life. It's weird and it's unnatural and the safety issues have been a concern for a really long time and it's not very heartening to hear that nothing, very little has been done to improve this situation. Um, so, I mean, as anecdotally speaking, people are just kind of over it. Uh, and at the moment uh, for Life Matters, um, I've been looking a little bit into dating later in life, um, mid to late life, especially that weird experience of having been in a relationship mm-hmm. for a really long time, uh, been in a marriage maybe for 20 years, coming out of it and re-entering the dating world and going, what is this? This is so mm. weird. I used to just meet people at parties and strike up conversations in the grocery line. And now, yep, here I am having to, you know, look through all these um, photos of men with their fish and their utes and their... <laughs> <laughs> All right, noted that. No utes, no fish, no patting a Sumatran tiger. Hey, Nat, Rish put the hard question on me straight up, asking if I've ever used apps, so I'm going to pass the, the handball over to you. Do you have any experience with these dating apps? I have I have used the apps before. Um, I, I My re- dating history is a little bit, I suppose, unique and unusual. I'm a bit of a, have sort of been in a relationship pretty consistently for all of my adult life, but I am non-monogamous, so I've dated you know, lots of different people at the same time. Um, so I went to the apps kind of looking to see what was out there, but I always felt really kind of strange about it. I never got too deep in some of my conversations. Um, the most successful experience I had was on an app called Field, which is specifically for people who are a little bit more into alternative sexuality stuff, Mm -hmm. polyamory, that sort of thing, um, and met some lovely people there. So I think when it comes to apps and the success on the apps, choosing your app correctly with the culture that's right for you that's interesting. is where you Because once success. upon a time it was like, what, Tinder and Grindr and that was about it and now there's so many different apps. So a part of the safety aspect that comes into mm. it is it doing your due diligence on the app the app itself. It's almost like when you go back to old dating services, there were kind of the high-end dating services where you'd pay a bit more maybe and your security, mm-hmm. uh, your anonymity, all of those things was a bit more secure. Apps, I guess, are the same. So how much of it is about making sure you, you select the right app? Yeah, well, exactly right. And there's been a lot of reporting, um, you know, in years gone by about the conduct of apps that are owned by Match Group, which is the biggest, um, you know, company, corporate um, that owns most of the dating apps we use. They own Match.com, OkCupid, Tinder. Um, I think Bumble is still independent. I don't think they own Bumble. But they do. If you're if you're on an app, plenty of fish, whatever. Like if you're on an app, it's probably owned by this corporation. Um, and a lot of the issue that came from this was that they weren't able to manage um, safety complaints properly because the amount of staff they had working across all of these different platforms was just minimal compared to the amount of users that they had. So you have to really think about where the best place is for you to be, you know. This message that says, I've been using online dating on and off now for more than 12 years. A few years ago, I had to report a scammer to the police. Currently, I'm online. I've reported the site more than once as an obvious scammer every day. They give all sorts of stories. I'm currently working overseas, etc., etc. They're more in tune with recognising scammers these days, but if you're vulnerable, I can see how a woman would fall for it. Who do you report? So if you sense that there's someone on there that's a bit dodgy, that the information doesn't quite add up, and if you try and report it to the actual app or to the, the company themselves and you get nothing, where do you take it? 
Well, I mean, there's the question entirely, you know, you should be able to take it to police or further authorities, but the app should be working harder to, you know, crack down on some of this behaviour on their platforms. The fact that you're getting served um, scammer profiles when they're algorithmically based, when they are being fed to you or served to you um, by this app and its design, Mm. they should be weeding out... um, you know, but it's kind of like putting flag, the, you know profiles that have red flags. It's know? like putting it the onus of all those sorts of things back onto uh, Facebook or Twitter mm. or X. Yeah, or it never ever regulate yourself. It never How does ever that happens, work? Dan. Yeah, exactly right. And I guess one of the other things, Nat, with this is that do we know if there are certain parts of society being targeted, or is this right across the board that we're hearing about scams and safety concerns across all ranges of apps, not just your your typical hetero relationships on Tinder and the like? Yeah, well, I mean, I think scams sort of uh, can appear in lots of different um, places and demographics and groups. You know, catfishing has been a thing for a really, really long time and has targeted people of all sorts of So for of people who don't know what catfishing oh, is, sure. <laughs> catfishing, uh, now about a decade old yeah. um, term that we go with, but it's basically pretending to be somebody else online. Um, But what I think uh, a lot of stories and research has kind of found in terms of the main uh, key targets of these sorts of scams do tend to sadly be women between sort of 40 and 60. So, again, that group of people who are maybe getting back out into dating apps for the first time are feeling really vulnerable, are feeling um, not very in touch with their desirability, are really um, looking for something and looking for love soon and they are people who are easily exploitable very very sadly and the worrying thing is too if you're starting to date later in life for the first time you've possibly built up a lot of wealth Mm. over that time you know maybe you've bought and sold property you might have superannuation whatever it may be you've worked your entire life so in terms of being a target for a financial scam as well so are you moving back to a different form of dating how did you meet your partner and are you thinking twice about dating apps this is the conversation hour Quite possibly the worst song ever. Good morning, Rochelle Hunt and Daniel Miles with you this morning. As we talk away about a shift away from dating apps, as more and more people are concerned about either being scammed or being hurt in some way. And is it even possible to make them safer and to bring in some form of regulation? What do you think? Matthew's in Torquay. Morning, Matthew. Good day. How are you going? Good. What do you want to say? Yeah, I actually set up a, a thing called the Social Monkeys that was, and I'm not going to get a plug because it's not operating, but it, what it was for was for elderly people to find each other or to just uh, and to have companionship and avoid being lonely, I guess. And um, we got flooded with women members, but the men just wouldn't engage. And a, a few women that had been on similar um, sort of events had said that the men... It's the, that it's extremely hard to get them to be adventurous enough to come yeah. along. Yeah. I mean, I love the idea that it's about loneliness and companionship as well, Matthew. Was there, was, I mean, this is probably stereotyping grotesquely, but was there maybe an issue with tech or any kind of fears around tech and being able to use, use that side if they you know, maybe hadn't been taught how to use it previously? Yeah, it wasn't really tech-based, to be honest. We had a Facebook page and a few other things. It was more just... And you could pick up the phone and speak to me live. It, it wasn't really heavily tech. It was very personal. Um, so we would organise local events in local parks and they could come down for a Saturday morning walk and get a coffee, for example, with their dog. Um, so it wasn't tech that was the issue. It was more that the men seemed to prefer um, anonymity, I think. Yeah. They weren't gutsy enough to get up mm. and, and give it a go. Um, and one lady who had a a previous experience, she just said, how are you going to get the men involved? And I thought, well, men would jump at this, surely. But we, our first event, we had like 25 women booked and about two men. So it was looking pretty bad. So we didn't actually end up running it. We just thought, thought well, this is this is too hard to attract the men. So you're no longer matchmaking, Matthew? No, no. I only, I tried to start it for a little bit. And, and because the men weren't engaged, we... Um, we called it off, but I really feel that style of 
um, engagement for especially people 60 plus. Yeah. Matthew, I'm going to pop you on hogs. Now, Matthew might even be someone that you can speak to down the track when we're looking at older people and dating. Because what's interesting, Matthew, just finally, there's a message here that's from John and it says, my darling wife died a a year ago. I don't want a partner, but a friendship. You know, what is good for that and to be able to find that. So it's that fear too of, and that loneliness. And you're not necessarily maybe wanting a, a romance or a sexual partner, but you want companionship, especially later in life. Matt, we'll put you back on hold so that we can hold on to your details. This it says, my first time on a dating app was about five years ago. I was told that my Matt was a lovely gent who was a pilot. As a professional woman, I thought that would be nice. He ended up being a pilot driver for trucks and dating a number of women and he just behaved awfully and it put me off for life. Is there just a general sense of distrust, Nat? Yeah, I think what happens with dating apps is it's a volume issue. So, you know, there's a lot of people who go into it with decent enough intentions, but when you're swiping past hundreds of profiles a a day, a week, you've maybe got 20 different chats on the go. It becomes harder to invest emotionally in the conversations that you're having. And this particular person... That sounds stressful and awful. I know. I barely text my friends back. Yeah, and, and this is what people do because this is the, how the apps are built. This is what it encourages them to do and it's what they feel like they have to do to, you know, end up netting something. It's quantity over quality when it comes to conversations. And this is really frustrating people. It's it's making people feel just used mm. and, and, you know, just like another number. Mike, good morning. Good morning. Um, I've got a very disturbing story that I reckon is very typical my um someone very close to me got to know me when she moved to the area and pursued me for uh, for a couple of years and uh she'd been through two bouts of cancer including having the breasts removed and uh and then a divorce um a particularly sad divorce from a husband who wasn't sympathetic to her her illness and when she realised it wasn't going to get anywhere with me, uh, because I'm gay and I'm just friendly to women, mm. she she said to me straight away, I'm going to go online then if, I can, if it's a waste of time with you because you never told me a thing. And it was a really angry thing. Mm. So she went online. And the next thing I know, about a couple of months later, she's bragging to me in quite nasty she in this belief that this guy from from america who works in the mexican gulf who owns an oil oh, no. company oh no and, and got and she did she get scammed mike was moving in for christmas in a week having never met her was flying to australia during the covid period she got done for a hundred grand <sighs> And she was to pay it in Bitcoin. Oh, and all the obvious ones. And from us before until she said, I don't think I'm going to get my money. I said, where's no. the man? I don't think it's owned in no. Bitcoin. The bank tried to stop it. And um, I know she was so obsessed that she played me a recording of it. And the guy for an American said a very Jamaican. Yeah. And, and this is um, the thing, Mike, that, and banks do try to stop it and try and step in. We've done sh- entire shows on scams as well, and in particular mm. relationship scams. And sometimes it's really obvious to the bank or to whoever else it might be, but to that person who feels like, I mean, if you're lonely, sometimes yeah. you will start to see and believe things Mm. and justify behaviour. And I think that's the thing as well. These are people who are targeting people who are vulnerable. This is something that you can't forget. As, and as much as, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and friends can see things from the outside, it's really hard when emotions are being played on. And uh, that's something that we're hearing from a lot of people while they are turning away from these areas where there is the potential to be scammed. Absolutely. Catherine Hebblewhite is a matchmaker from regional New South Wales, just outside of Aubrey. And Catherine, you've been listening to a lot of this. And I know you're a part of Daniel Miles' article online on the ABC's website. What is 
putting people off at the moment when it comes to dating online? How concerned are people at the moment about either being hurt physically or financially? Um, hello. <laughs> um, yes, actually, I've found that mostly the people who are like more mature age, but I'm finding they're getting younger, actually, <laughs> um, about 35 onwards, um, they're concerned with the scamming. They're also concerned with the fact that they more, they want something more permanent. They want companionship. They want the relationship. Whereas online, they tend to only get like the hookups or that somebody who wants a fling or or something like that. Um, so that, that's what I'm finding. Catherine, you have one of the most fascinating jobs in the world, I think, being a matchmaker. Can you take us behind the scenes? What do you actually do as a matchmaker? How does it work? Do you have the old Rolodex on a on a desk and you're flicking through cards of people and saying, you know, John might work with Jill or Jane might work with Heather or whatever? How does matchmaking work in the 21st century? Well, you're not far off it. Because <laughs> um, I'm older, I, I'm not... I, I'm tech-savvy, but... Um, I find it easier to go through files. So, but I do have a digital still got a black book. Is that what you're saying, Catherine? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, and yes, I I um, tend to look at the interests, age groups that people are asking for, um, and sort of what they're looking for in terms of whether they want to get married in the future, whether they want more children, whether they're happy with people with children whether they smoke, whether they drink, you know, all that sort of thing. And then I think, okay, well, that that gentleman that I'm concentrating on at the time, well, there's three ladies here. Yes, I think they'll be good for him. And then I pick one out, the one that's closest, and um, introduce them, well, send their details to oh. each other, and then it's up to them to... Um, What's your strike rate like, Catherine? Let me know. You're getting lots of successes. So you sort of find like you've got the sixth sense because sometimes it's opposites that attract, right? It's not mm. necessarily having all similar things, but you do need some fundamentals, I guess, to, and a basis there. But in, in the years that you've been doing it, I mean, have you been to weddings? Have you been to births and christenings? Um, I make a, a point of not going to weddings, um, <laughs> mainly because I don't want to be inundated and... Um, yeah, I kind of like to keep work separate to my home life. Otherwise, I'll be doing <laughs> you feel it like you're weekend. working. You'll be a wedding yeah. every weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I have learned from the past. So um, <laughs> I've had um, this year, there's been four weddings. Oh, beautiful. And are you finding it's an older cohort that's coming to you for this when it, when it comes to people who may have you know, been dating previously or they're getting back into dating for the first time and have no experience with the apps or how is it all sort of changing the, the pool of people who are coming to you? Um, well, I've noticed, actually, since I spoke to you, Daniel, I've noticed I've had a few people in their you know, early 20s to 35. I've had a few people um, make inquiries mm. and um, got a couple who have joined up. And But on the whole, it's usually more mature adults um and i shouldn't say 40s mature but <laughs> anyway um from 40 onwards um and when i say mature it's because they've already most of them have been into a, in relationship, a relationship before i think that idea of having someone almost sort of police the whole process for you and it adds that level of security i can see why it would attract a lot of people Catherine, thank you and we wish you and all of your clients uh the best and, and a happy life Catherine hebblewhite matchmaker from regional new south wales nat tenchich is with you as well abc journalist specializing in sex and relationships a part of the life matters team Nat, does it surprise you that even younger people are going to what is rel a relatively old school matchmaker it, it actually doesn't surprise me and i think it's because this generation that has grown up with dating apps like if we want to say 2012 is the beginning of it where tinder really launched in australia and began the dating app trend there's a whole generation of people who've never 
done dating any other way. Mm. Mm. And so they're not practiced in, you know, going up to someone at a party and getting their flirt on or, you know, trying to meet someone organically and feel that spark. And they might be feeling a little bit lost if they want to get off the apps and have no other option and think, well, I don't know, a matchmaker, that's somebody who can actually do it for me. And somebody who can, I guess, be that algorithm with the human touch. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's it's not surprising to me at all. I think we need a few other options when it comes to this. And it's funny. Um, it might be that generation who their only exposition to matchmakers is through something like Mulan or, yeah. <laughs> or, or watching Fiddler on the Roof. Um, yeah, I caught that reference in your piece. Very much enjoyed it. Very at my, <laughs> at my age level. So. One person who knows a bit more about the dark side that can accompany these apps and, and some of the scams that we've been talking about is Tanya Clark, the Director of Policy Campaigns at Consumer Action Law Centre. Tanya, thanks for being a part of the conversation. What is it like from a safety perspective, these apps? We hear some of these tales and we're, we're getting flooded with some, some really harrowing tales on the text line, but is it a, a safe place for people to be going and you know trying to find the one when it comes to dating online? Oh, thanks for having me. Um, yes, just firstly, in terms of what we call romance scams, uh, there's a number of ways in which the scammers can uh, contact people who they've targeted as vulnerable. Um, so it's not just the dating apps. It's also, you know, up through social media, text mm. messaging, you know, phoning. Um, so there's a number of ways you can fall victim to a romance scam. But dating apps are definitely a platform, you know, that are used by the scammers to target their victims. Do people know where to go? So we've had a few people texting in and saying, well, I sort of gave up. I tried contacting the app provider themselves. You know, I'm not going to bother going to the police. What are they going to do? If someone either thinks that there's someone dodgy online or they suspect that they're being scammed or they're witnessing some fairly foul behaviour, does the average person, Tanya, know where to go to either get help or to report poor behaviour? Well, I think just from the fact that people are reporting to ScamWatch, um, you know, you'd assume that people do know about ScamWatch. The ACCC's um, ScamWatch uh, site is really has some really useful information and you can report to ScamWatch as well. And as you said, like people also go to the police, they go to a number of places. Um, but importantly, I guess what um, I'd say is to talk to their banks as well. Um, just to sort of flag that um, they're not sure about who they're talking to because that can also flag to the bank, you know, and around transactions mm. and um, and they can engage in that discussion because, you know, at the banks now they have quite big scams and frauds teams that are mm. really trying to stop these types of transferred scammers um, so they don't just sort of see it as individual problem but a kind of a problem for all customers. Mm. Tanya, the federal government said that um, if the app providers and dating companies don't clean up their act, they're going to come in and regulate the industry. Is that something that we need to see, like a federal over overarching legislated approach to making these dating platforms and online websites safe? Would it work? Yes. So we've been working with the federal government and, you know, the ACCC, who've got the National Anti-Scam Centre, um, you know, who are all taking an ecosystem approach. So, you know, everyone's involved in either taking down Skype's sites and preventing um, scammers from using these different platforms. Um, and as you probably know, we're calling for the, you know, the banks to reimburse customers and the way we're setting that up um, with the government or the government's promised is around the mandatory codes, scams codes. So they'll have obligations in them. And, um, you know, if the banks and other platforms don't meet those, sorry, the mm. banks don't meet those obligations and we'd be looking at reimbursement. And the same for the other platforms in terms of they will have, you know, legal obligations to take um, down sort of fake profiles and fake websites. Because um, that would be a huge a start, wouldn't description. it? Yeah, I so mean, will scammers just, will yeah. always find another way, let's face yeah, facts. Right. But at least yeah. it takes that level of, of really targeting the vulnerable away. How confident, Tanya, are you that this will happen? Well, we're fairly confident because, um, you know, we're talking to Treasury at the moment. They're going through the consultation process and Minister Stephen Jones, who's the responsible minister, has been committing to it publicly and 
Um, so, yeah, we feel confident. We've been told that we should see um, some real action in February next year. And as I said, we're working on the detail now with Treasury. So, well, Mark, um, yes, feeling very confident. Good. Well, we'll mark that date in the calendar now, yes. February. <laughs> Tanya Clark, thanks very much for joining us. All right. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. That was Tanya Clark, Director of Policy Campaigns at the Consumer Action Law Centre, talking about safety on the apps. But if you've met your partner online, which so many people across our social circles have, we'd love to hear from you. Or whether you're thinking about getting back into dating and maybe thinking twice about the way you'll do it. one three hundred triple two seven seven four is the number to dial, just like Helen from Chelsea has done. Good morning, Helen. Good morning. Have you had an experience online in the dating world? Yes, um, I was 68 at the time and I'd been a widow for five years. Um, I was retiring from work and I just thought, why not give it a go? So I did. And I met the most wonderful man and we've been together for nearly five years now. Oh, I love that. Some of our best mates met on Tinder and they're now married with two gorgeous children. So it can... Well, no, that, that's the secret though. We decided early on that... We, neither of us really wanted to get married again. We might live together if we wanted to. But we found that not living together, but just visiting each other's houses every mm. week, um, kept everything fresh. Oh, I love so this, we, Helen. We don't live together. Did mm. you start out, Helen, just wanting companionship you know there's lots of women uh at a similar age bracket to you that are saying i'm actually just really lonely and i don't know what to do and i don't know who to trust well to be honest i didn't think i was lonely i you know i was quite content with in my own company and my kids live nearby my grandchildren i had good workmates good friends it just seemed exciting at the time i thought oh why not do this and see what happens <laughs> So um, that's gotten that very excited. So, so excited, Helen, because I think um, one thing that people don't really realize is you have come into dating at the best position, spiritually, emotionally, Mm. mentally. It's about Mm. being comfortable in your own company, being happy with yourself and just looking for somebody to add to the wonderful exactly. life that you have, yes. not to complete you. And that's really yeah. where success lies yeah. when it comes yeah. to and dating we're more this confident, way. You know? Yes, exactly. And we know what we put up with Helen and what we won't. Mm. Exactly, yes, you certainly do. <laughs> than you did when you were 20. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this text, Helen, well done. We think that's wonderful, this message. I'm 57. I've actually given up on dating apps. There's just so many scammers, catfishers, so many married cheaters. It's just awful and some of the text messages i get are just inappropriate and sexual comments i think i'm just going to buy another cat <laughs> <laughs> let's have a chat to jesse who's in gippsland hi jesse uh good morning guys um great topic i just uh i can't believe some of the um the scams that actually go on and all friends and mates have shown me and that sort of thing but what I, what does concern me are the ones that get under the radar mm. where they are trying to uh, – these people haven't been too financially successful in life or anything like that, and they, are, and they are looking to just pair up with people of a particular financial standard or status, if you like, yep. and that is their basic primary concern, and then it becomes what they're prepared to do – in order to mooch and scam and stooge these other people, and it, and it's both sexes. Um, mm-hmm. I watched I watched one man do it to a a friend of mine, and she she told me that she'd had a number of blokes just over the dating time and that sort of thing uh, tell her that that's all they do. They come there. Wow. So what did you say to your friend then, Jesse? Because that puts you in a tricky situation, doesn't it? Well, how do you stop it? You can't stop it. I wouldn't know how to stop it. You can only take that risk and then (laughs) buyer beware, I suppose. Mm. But um, it's, you know, you've got the big scams everybody hears about. That's, That's one thing. But it's these silent attacks. So did you talk to you? So you didn't raise it with your... I'm not saying that, you know, you should or shouldn't have done anything, but did you find a way to talk to her about it or oh, to raise no. some alarm bells? Oh, no, it was taken care of. There was okay. no issues. Okay. But, but um, 
you know, these these I, I feel genuinely sorry for the people that are, as you discussed just prior to this, that you know people are genuinely lonely. They want to find friendship um, mm. and all that sort of thing, but they get you know and they and they become vulnerable to these sharks. And it's yeah. both sexes though. It's not just male be female or or vice versa. And um, you you're absolutely at risk um, of these sort of people. Uh, and it's usually people later in life. Oh, you know, yeah, as we said, they've got themselves maybe set up financially as well. Jesse, really good to hear from you. Thank you. This is a message from Alan. Once upon a time, the concept of computer matching seemed great. It promised to both match people according to likes and dislikes. Now it seems to be based on personal appearance in the very first instance swipe left swipe right it's a little bit like google saying are you feeling lucky that's from alan and lots of people not saying it's all just kind of based on appearance yeah now. yeah I, I mean but that's all you've got to go on in the in but the initial instance happen, right? right if you're let's say old school at mm-hmm. a pub or whatnot mm. isn't it generally look let's be frank looks, looks. first <laughs> where you go yep that person looks like my taste and then you wander over and or don't wander over or you send a friend over just like, <laughs> yeah. my friend likes you whatever yeah. it might be but, but also people look different in their photos to the way that they look in real life yes. you know you're getting a full 360 degree view of somebody and you're getting a read on their energy as well which is something you miss on the dating apps you can see people with their regularly posed photos like oh look I'm on a mountain I'm making two adventures or you know I'm <laughs> so with my it's the one hike they've I'm, ever been on as I'm well my grandkids or my kids, like, you know, whatever. And that's them putting on a particular front, seeing somebody in the context that you're also in, stripped of all of that extra stuff, you know, that extra yeah. performance. Well, you can see mm. how they act with their friends or the bar staff. Are they rude? Are they polite? Exactly. Do they push their way through a crowd or do they, you know, whatever it and, may be. And how do they respond to your, you know, your flirt? How do they respond to what you have to say? That can tell you so much about your compatibility. The look of love. This is the conversation hour. Rochelle Hunt here in Melbourne. Daniel Miles, your co host this morning, joining you from ABC Warnable. Also in the studio, Nat Tenchit. She's ABC journalist specialising in sex and relationships. Elizabeth Shaw is the CEO of Relationships Australia. Elizabeth, all morning we've been looking at whether or not just anecdotally we're starting to move away from apps because we just don't trust them and we don't trust the people on them. Is that something that you're witnessing? Look, absolutely. I think there's a lot of fear about using them anyway and um, and anxiety, but we've also got to remember that they're an incredibly popular and successful way of meeting a very wide range of people that you wouldn't encounter any one way. If you think to the idea of, you know, going down to your local pub in the hopes of running into an eligible person, um, you know, the odds when you think of it are actually incredibly low (laughs) that on any one night when you happen to turn up all ready to go, that, you know, the person that you want to meet um, arrives at the same moment. Mm. Um, So it's it's incredibly appealing. It makes a lot of sense. Matchmaking has a very long tradition in lots of cultures over time. So I think the concept makes sense intuitively. It's really about us coming up to speed as more sophisticated users. How do we actually match our behaviour with what's on offer uh, with the technology? Because, you know, we always wear many hats and there's many people who've been, you know, scammed as we're as we're talking about um, mm. even when meeting someone you can you can meet someone who's deceiving you so yes the the chance of it is higher for a lot of reasons so what can we do as a community to engage in this in a way that's more self-protective that's a really good question so what do we actually do we know that these apps are the most popular places for people who are searching for a partner how do we go about it safely how do we make this something that's you know a net benefit to community elizabeth well first of all as i think we just heard um in a couple of your um callers to be confident of the ground that you stand on you know if you at any time when you're entering the dating market it's about taking stock of what history you bring to it. Are you feeling reactive, desperate, horribly lonely? Does that mean that you bring to it 
um, an urgency or a, a vulnerability or a naivety to it that doesn't set you up well to meet anybody in any circumstances. So I think resolving the past and making sure you're in a good place to meet someone and that this will be the icing on the cake, not the cake, is good. Secondly, I think it's really important with any dating situation to slow it down a bit. So even though we hear a lot about hookups and people at all ages and stages might actually be just really fancying some sex and there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Um, it really is about slowing it down so that you can just check a little bit more who, who you're meeting and under what terms. So it's actually quite easy to be seduced in writing or through lovely texts. I've known many people that I've worked with who's read texts out to me and they sound completely gorgeous, well-formed, very seductive, very romantic. You, you can know how to hit the spot for someone. And yes, it's sad people use these tactics. But I think if you, if you say, well, that's lovely, now I'll go to the next stage, which is talk to them by phone, maybe have some online contact, meet them in a coffee shop in a public place, try and engage your friends around it, not so yes. that they spur you on in a, in a way that speeds it up, but actually they help you hold your ground. Well, that's um, what I was wondering, you know, like almost like a study buddy, right? That you need mm. a, a yeah, friend exactly. or a someone with you to go, all right, I'm going to start to try dating, but I need... Yeah my BS filter with me. and so A if dating you were, buddy. A dating buddy, right? So you, they know where you are at all times, but they also just help you make those calls if you think I am a bit vulnerable. I mean, like, Nat, you would take a, a buddy to a, a pub or a club or whatever it may be a lot of the time if you were thinking, all right, I'm going to see... Yeah. You can find someone tonight. You take that security with you, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, speaking to some people who've been going through, you know, re re-entering the dating scene after divorces and, you know, trying to work out how to be safe in um, an environment they're less familiar with. Some of the hot tips that I've been hearing are, you know, send a photo of the um, the person you're seeing's license plate to your friend. Um, make sure you tell them the address of where you're going, what time you're leaving, what time you're expected home, all these sorts of things but also just like you said to have a you know someone there who's in your corner a little bit like and your, someone that goes, Hang your on coach a and can bounce things <laughs> off you know go oh that's a red flag actually yeah. you're you're romanticizing that a little bit but that's not okay behavior elizabeth, what is the chances of a saudi prince emailing you exactly. here? <laughs> elizabeth i've got lots of messages here everything from matchmaking trivia is wonderful it's happening in bendigo and other people saying remember a time before the internet there was even a singles magazine you could buy from the news agency do you think we'll start to see just that old style way of courting someone of, of meeting someone i mean i love the idea of matchmaking trivia that sounds like fun well that's the thing i think um it's starting to look up and out and try and be bold i think a lot of people that i see who are re-entering the dating scene after maybe a long time in a relationship or even time alone the dating app also gives you a chance to just get your head around dating. Even just looking at who's available helps you move into the zone of, is this what I want? What am I looking for? What do I know about myself? What do I know about, you know, um, and what my needs are? It, it kind of helps you entertain it. I think turning up at a singles night can take a lot of courage. Um, having a buddy is a great idea, but making sure you've got someone who who's genuinely in your corner in that they know what you're after they're not falsely cheering you on I know quite a number of my clients so they've got friends who are almost gratuitously living through you know your dating because they're they're you know happily engaged with someone and they thought this is going to be great and they're all sort of agog with the stories of um, that's actually not that helpful um, equally having a cynical buddy um, saying well this just sounds dodgy is, yeah. is not helpful you need mm. someone who yeah who's really just helping you be your wise mind and, and help you be bold because maybe if apps are not for you, trying one of these other things. Um, and often I say to people, first of all, build the life you want to have. So join joining things like if your life is a bit empty, join an activity that will help you anyway. Meeting someone who at least likes that common interest <laughs> It's a damn good start. And if you don't meet anyone, at least you've but got another fun. interest yeah. in your life. <laughs> <laughs> so, exactly. you know, often people lead to a partner and, and don't notice they need other things as well. 
sage advice. I think there'll be people texting you asking for you to be their dating oh, buddy yeah, after all of that, Elizabeth Shaw. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. Thanks so much. Bye. That was Elizabeth Shaw, CEO of Relationships Australia. Rish, as much as we have been talking about all the scams and how dangerous it can be, we, we do need to show the other side of the coin. This on the text line, I've met the loveliest man through a dating site. Both of us had just about given up and now we feel so incredibly lucky to have found each other. That's Adele. And this as well. I met my husband almost 10 years ago on Tinder. It was a great way to meet someone who had mutual friends and found it best to be open about dating and expectations from the start, says B in Dandenong. So there are success stories for yeah. every scam story that comes out of this new age, isn't there? Professor Gary Karanatsis is a couples counsellor and a relationships expert at Deakin University. Jerry, we've been talking about everything from the successes, uh, the, the fails, whether or not you need a a dating buddy, whether we go back to old school techniques versus online. With your current research, where do you see trends headed? Look, I'll be honest, it's a little bit like crystal ball gazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is a, uh, it's a bit, you know, the dating scene and the way it's become is a little bit like the Wild West, right? There's a smorgasbord of options, a smorgasbord of choices. There are all kinds of relationship coaches out there telling you what to do and how to do it. And uh, in amongst all of that, we have these social dating apps, which in many ways tell us that the world is your oyster in choosing a match with a click of a button. You can find anyone, if not multiple people, that might be the ideal suitor. Um, so, you know, there are, there are challenges with that. And one of the biggest challenges we say, in particular with online dating, is this thing called the paradox of choice. So on the one hand, it seems logical that if you are working through a dating app with many options, that the chances of you finding someone should significantly increase. But there's another challenge, there's a cost to that that people don't see that's actually been researched quite a bit. And that is that if you have many, many options available to you, mm. it can make harder to make uh, good and mm. accurate decisions. Mm -hmm. And that's what we call cognitive overload. Basically, your mind becomes filled with so many options and choices where it leads to a paralysis around <laughs> making a choice. <laughs> and there's other evidence out there to suggest that sometimes we're looking at these two-dimensional profiles mm. a bit like a CV. And so we objectify people in a way that we're not even consciously aware of at times. This all sounds awful. I, I mean, It doesn't sound great, does <laughs> it? doesn't um, sound great, so, um, but but I guess the point around all of this and coming to some of the, the, the points that were already raised earlier in your conversation, it's a little bit like buyer beware. Like uh, we can certainly make decisions, but one of the ways forward in the online dating kind of landscape is to slow it down. And we've heard that before. Maybe limit how many uh, mm. particular profiles you're going to look at at any given time. There was some market research that was done to suggest that millennials were spending up to 10 and a half hours a week on social dating apps. Now, that's an extraordinary amount of time to be spending on social dating apps and to be looking at profiles. And, and I wonder whether how much of it is actually trying to find someone or if it's just a form of just kind of surfing online. Jerry, mm -hmm. stay with us because we want to have a chat to Sarah, who's in Fairfield. Hi, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Hi, how are we? Well, what, what do you do? So I run a wedding chapel in Abbotsford called the Ultra Electric. And I can tell you, I'm loving this conversation because we marry, you know, over 150 couples a year. I would say easily 75 to 80% of our couples met via Tinder or Hinge or Bumble. Um, it's so rare to marry someone that met in real life, the old-fashioned way. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing when you say the old-fashioned <laughs> way. No, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. We just had five incredible weddings over the weekend. Mm. And four of those couples met via Tinder. They are so well matched to each other. They were both, all those weddings were such glorious celebrations. And they met via Tinder. And I'm just here for Tinder. It brings a lot of joy <laughs> to my chapel. Well, that's and it. There's a lot of positive, isn't there? And Jerry, I mean, that's the other thing. I guess it's buyer beware. But it's, even though there's a lot of awful and scary stories out there, it's still predominantly the way that people meet now. And as Sarah said, most of her weddings are all from people that have met on apps. So there's a lot of good to come out of them. We're not saying that there isn't some good to come out of it, but the issue is how we balance the benefits and the costs 
and the risks. And I think something that Elizabeth was saying earlier is be kind of sure of your own footing when you're getting into into the social dating world, <laughs> let alone if you were dating in real life. Like what we know is with some of the surveys that have been done, that although there's an increase in what we're seeing in terms of people making connections via social dating apps, and that's just through the sheer volume of people using them, we also know that there's research out there to suggest that, you know, still two thirds of the people that have that have met and formed a lasting connection have happened to have done it through face-to-face contact with networks of people that they have known. So, you know, it's still, you know, somewhat of uh, research playing a little bit of catch up in terms of what we're actually seeing here around the trends. What we would be saying to people is be clear on what it is that you're looking for. And if you're not sure of what it is that you're looking for, take pause, because I think the clearer you are on what it is that you're looking for, then it makes it easier to work through that sea of choice. So what we don't know around people that meet on dating apps is to, to what extent were they clear on what it is that they were looking for? Mm-hmm. How, many, how many attempts had they had before until they'd found success? Because one of the things that's, that, that we need to think about here is the extent to which matches are made in total versus the hit rate, i.e. how many times do I have to try before I actually make have a match? success. That, but that's, that's life right. a little bit too, yeah. isn't it? It is. We're it is out indeed. Of, we're out of time, but it's been fascinating to speak with you, Professor. Thank you. Professor Jerry Karatsis, who's a couples counsellor and relationship expert at Deakin University. I want to end with Meredith's text here in Northcote. And she says, I never thought I'd ever, and then I did. I had so much fun. People are fascinating and complicated and the diversity was a delight. It was refreshing to meet people that aren't like me, that aren't from my sphere. I've got to just go in with an open heart, an open mind and your BS filter on. It's just like interviewing people for a job with your team. What do you reckon, Nat? <laughs> I think it's like, like I, I balk a little bit at the job interview side of dating. I really <laughs> would a bit more about just, let's find some human connection and whatever, but really Really take Jerry's advice on board. Know what you are looking for in a relationship more than in the person that you are swiping on. What are you bringing? What are they bringing that's going to bring you happiness in that connection? Um, And you are, yeah, you're more likely to find success. So it's out there to be found. Mm. And the piece, hopefully you've got lots of people that you can follow up with today for the piece that you're working on for dating later in life. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. Um, You can um, hit hit us up on the Life Matters website as well. Nat, thanks so much. Thank you. Nat Tenshit, ABC journalist from Life Matters, specialising in sex and relationships. And of course, Daniel Miles, you wrote a piece for this for ABC Online and it's up there and there's lots of other perspectives and what to look out for, what's good, what's bad and everything in between. The sea is a very deep place. I want to finish with this from Alan. It caught my eye. We have Tinder, we have Grindr. Perhaps maybe now we need an app called Kinder. Oh, that's nice. I don't mind that. My name's Rochelle Hunt. Don't forget the Conversation Hour is a podcast. Download it and speak to you tomorrow.